Well, big thank you to Joey and Tim for coming and helping us out this morning. So thank you. Thank you, Joey. Thank you, Tim. That Tim really beats those drums, doesn't he? Yeah. <laughs> so did I remember to turn my microphone on this week? That's a good thing, right? Oh, I got so many things I want to tell you this morning. Um, wow. I could preach right off all those songs, Joey. Those songs are just awesome. I love... I, I, wow, just great songs. Thank you so much for choosing those songs this morning. Let me give you a quick uh, reminder, kind of an update. Our search committee continues their task of kind of leading us forward in our search for a new pastor. The next two Sunday mornings are going to be huge for us. I cannot stress this enough. Uh, my friend Nathan Bryant is going to be here with us. Uh, Nathan currently serves as the executive director for an organization called Assist Church Expansion. And uh, our search committee, along with our elders and others in our leadership structure, have uh, met with Nathan by Zoom. And uh, we're excited to have him come and be here in person the next two Sundays. He's going to talk to us about our strategy going forward. What's our strategy going to be? How are we going to work together on this task? How is God going to work in our midst as we move forward and look forward to having the new pastor here and uh, letting Roy go ride his bike, right? Yeah, all right. So uh, you're, you're going to want to be here if at all possible. You're going to want to be here. Uh, I understand if you need to be at home, and many of you need to be at home and need to stay at home, and we totally get that. But if you can be here to interact with Nathan and the time that we're going to share here is going to be really, really critical. Uh, the second Sunday on the 31st, we're planning to follow the Sunday morning worship hour with kind of a town hall Q&A time. And uh, our master uh, technology technician uh, is going to be at work, right, Tim? Uh, trying to figure out a way for people that are online to ask questions. We ha- we've talked about options so that you'll be able to ask questions and interact uh, while you're online. So we're hoping to put all those pieces together over the next two weeks. But you're going to want to be here if at all possible. So come and uh, be here and be in prayer. Uh, just continue to encourage you to be in prayer. Uh, about our search and about the process and about uh, how God is how God is leading us. Um, I just could not be more excited about what God wants to do, and I hope you're excited too. I hope you're excited too. God's at work in our midst, and as I say that, I'm reminded this morning that there's uh, several in our midst that we need to continue to pray for. Um, Maggie, of course, has had COVID and is coming off of her period of time, the whole quarantine. I get confused with all the numbers. Do you quarantine for 10 days or 14 days the rest of your life? I don't know. Um, But uh, she's coming off of that, and so we're hoping that that our worship team will be back together next Sunday. Uh, That's our hope. But God's provided, hasn't he? Jason came last week, and we had just a wonderful time together with Jason, and this week Joey and Tim are here. Um, I'm just grateful that God has provided servants that are available and willing to help and to serve. So we have people that... um, Need prayer in addition to Maggie. I just want to mention some names and, and, and then we want to pray. Um, Lois Smith uh, has been diagnosed with COVID. And <clears throat> Lois South, what did I say? Lois Smith is somebody else I know. Too many Loises in my life. Um, Lois South was do- diagnosed this week with COVID. And last report was it was pretty mild. And so she's doing well. Her daughter and son-in-law are much worse and so we want to remember to, to pray for uh, Lois this morning. Um, I know Michelle uh, Perkins is concerned and went and got tested and is awaiting results. Um, I don't know what's worse, getting tested and then waiting or finally getting the results. But uh, for some, the waiting period seems to be several days. For some, it's just a matter of a couple hours. But uh, Michelle's waiting. We want to pray for her. Uh, Carol Ann dropped a can on her foot uh, last week. And uh, that's gotten infected, and you know how that goes with antibiotics and so on, and a lot of pain. So we want to just remember to pray for for these folks. Um, Rhonda's still up in Roseville. She's finished her chemo treatments, and that went on a little longer than expected. And then this last week, she started radiation. So she's doing radiation five days a week for the next five uh, weeks. And if any of you have been through that whole radiation thing, um, I haven't been through it personally, but my wife has. Um, it's not a whole lot of fun, um, just, just a challenge in so many ways. So we want to remember to pray for Rhonda uh, this morning. 
We ought to remember to pray this morning for our country, don't you think? We really need to pray for our country. Um, I don't do news very much. I don't have television. I don't watch television. I get most of my news from other people, so it's filtered three times, unless I read it online, which is probably uh, where I get most of my information. But the information we're getting uh, about this week's activities wrapped around the inauguration just really reminds us uh, of a need to pray. And I don't know, frankly, I don't know how to encourage you um, to pray. I, I got some ideas I'm going to toss out here in just a minute. But, you know, one of the things I've discovered in the course of my life is oftentimes in times of crises, in times of challenge, in times of difficulty, we have a tendency to be very focused on health and healing and safety and some of those kinds of, of th- those are high priorities for us. I- is that true? And I, I just wonder sometimes if, if God embraces those same priorities. I wonder sometimes if God doesn't have a higher goal than my health, my safety, and my protection. You're all looking at me like there's something wrong with that guy up there. My son was diagnosed two weeks ago with Bell's palsy. And... I've gotten lots of different reports about Bell's palsy. I'd be surprised in a group this size if one or more of you hasn't had Bell's palsy. It's a lot more common than I thought. And for some people, it lasts a few weeks. For some, it lasts a few months. I know of at least one case I found out about a week or so ago that's been a lifetime from the time she first was diagnosed and still has it today, years later. And my first instinct was to pray for my son for health and healing, be able to be back at his job and be able to function fully and and so on. And somehow in the midst of those prayers, what struck me was, you know, I, I really have higher ambitions for my children than physical health. I have higher ambitions for my children than their safety and their security. My great ambition for my son and his wife and my grandkids is that they would walk closely with Jesus. My great ambition for them is that they would follow Jesus closely. My prayer and hope for them is that God would draw them more closely to Himself through this time of challenge and difficulty and struggle. Is that a good way to pray? Somebody please say yes. And so... As I pray for our country, my prayers have been kind of mixed because, yes, I value peace. I value safety. But more importantly, I value what we've just sung about, that the gospel would go forth in power in the midst of this time of crisis. I value that God's people would live as though God existed and he was in control. I just think that's a high priority in the heart of God, don't you? And so as we pray for our country, yes, there's a value to peace. There's a value to unity. But, but my prayer has been for some time that God would cause a revival in this country and bring our country back to himself. Might he do that in a time of crisis? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, most of us are pretty ignorant about what God is doing around the world. We're very ignorant about what God is up to around the world. But I think, for example, of uh, my friend Gary, who has a ministry in China, and uh, he retired from uh, his position as a provost at Biola University and uh, has a ministry in China and was traveling back and forth to China frequently. Now he does all his meetings with Chinese on Zoom. And when I go bike riding with Gary, I'm always interested, what's God been up to in China in the last couple of weeks since I've seen you last? Because God's at work in the midst of a culture that is totally different than ours, right? A totally different governmental structure. God is at work in the midst of persecution and suffering. You know, I'm not in favor of pastors being arrested and put in prison. I'd like to go on record with that. But if that advances the gospel, I'm all in. Okay? If that advances the cause of Christ, I'm all in. I don't know what God has in store for us in our country. But somewhere there's a balance between the the peace and safety and God's kingdom being advanced and people coming to faith in Jesus. And it'd be nice if both of those could happen at the same time, right? But it doesn't always work that way. It doesn't always work that way. And so as we pray this morning, I I want you to think about 
um, this crisis, if you will, in our country, the conflict. Conflict between races, conflict between colors, conflict between political parties, uh, even conflict among friends and family. There's a value to peace and safety and unity. But I want you to know, God has a God has a higher ambition. God has a higher goal. We all understand that, right? I hope we do. I hope we do. You know, my goal for my children and my prayer for you, my goal for my children is not their happiness. My goal for my children is their holiness. My prayer for you is not your happiness. Be happy, happy, happy in Jesus. My goal for you to follow Jesus more closely. That's, that's my prayer. I want to pray this morning, and I want to invite you to pray along with me. And There's probably other people that need our prayers. And if I were to ask, you'd probably toss me a couple of names that I've forgotten about. And so maybe you can pray for those people while I'm praying. Can you do two things at once? Kind of listen to me and pray for someone at the same time? There you go. Multitasking. Us guys don't do that very well. My wife, my wife tells me I don't multitask very well. Oh, well, I try. Well, let's pray. I want to pray for these folks that I've mentioned, and then I want to, want to pray along with you for our country. We need to pray for President Trump. We need to pray for our president-elect, who will be inaugurated on, on Wednesday, right? We need to be in prayer. Um, President Biden, along with Vice President, is going to be leading this country going forward from Wednesday. They need our prayers, just as President Trump has needed our prayers. Regardless of what party you represent, regardless of what your political um, inclinations are, we need to pray that, that God would be at work. And so that's how I'm going to pray this morning. Is that okay? Let's do that together. Lord, we truly, we truly need you. I just want to acknowledge, Lord, this morning how much we need you. We are so independent, so self-sufficient, so... We forget. We're, we're so distracted, Lord. We're distracted by all this stuff of life, and we so quickly forget that you're here in our midst this morning. You are present here with us. That we live at all times in your presence. We live at every all times under the the care of, of our Heavenly Father. And so, Lord, we need You. We need You personally in our lives, individually. We need You in our church, collectively. We need You in our country. Lord, we need You. Every hour, every minute, every second. Lord, we need You. And I'm reminded this morning, Lord, of these that, that I've mentioned by name that uh, need of prayer this morning. And we're grateful for, for Maggie and, and Max, their family, their ministry in our midst. And we're grateful that she's recovering and doing well. And we just pray that you continue to, to do that and uh, allow her to fully recover and uh, move forward. We pray for uh, Lois, for her daughter and son-in-law as they face this COVID virus that each one of them would, would do recover well, recover quickly. That it might be a time for them of drawing nearer to you, drawing closer to you, drawing on your strength, drawing on your love, on your grace, on your mercy. Lord, meet them in this time in, in their lives. We pray too for Michelle and Carol Ann. We pray for the challenges that they face. It would be wonderful if uh, Michelle would test negative, but that may not be your plan. And so we just trust you to care for her as you care for Carol Ann and bring healing to her foot and uh, the removal of this infection. And we pray for them as well, that this might be a time of, of them just drawing a little more closely to you and trusting uh, you perhaps in new and, and different ways. We continue to pray for Rhonda as we've uh, gone on this journey with her these several months now as she's been through chemo and now radiation. And uh, we continue to stand with her and pray for her, pray for strength, pray for health, pray for the challenges of the neuropathy that she's experienced, and just pray that you would strengthen and restore. Might this be a time for her as she's with her daughter and granddaughter, and just a time of family, a time together, but 
more importantly for her, a time again of drawing near to you, drawing closer to you, trusting you in new and different ways. Lord, we join together in praying for our country. And Lord, we look at the chaos around us. We look at the new anticipated uh, chaos, anticipated problems. And uh, Lord, we just pray that you would be in charge, be in control, take charge, take control. On the one hand, Lord, our hearts are drawn to pray for peace and safety and security. And yet we know you have higher priorities, higher goals, higher ambitions. And I would pray that during this time of uh, chaos, this time of division, that you would call on the, the church, call on the men and women of God to, to live as though you do indeed exist, to live as though you indeed are in charge, to take advantage of opportunities to speak of you, to speak of the, to speak of the meaning of Calvary as we together this morning. And Lord, we do pray for President Trump as he uh, finishes his term of service this week. We pray for uh, President-elect Biden as he moves into the White House and uh, becomes our president going forward. We pray for wisdom. We pray for guidance. We pray for direction. We pray, Lord, that uh, you would be at work in each of these men's lives. Most importantly, Lord, that they would know you. They would know you truly and genuinely. To know you, to serve you, to walk with you. That's our highest and deepest prayer for them. Lord, thank you that we have that confidence that you are in control, that you're still on your throne. You've never left, not for a second. And so we're grateful. Remind us afresh this morning, remind us afresh, Lord, that there's never been a day that you have not been faithful. There's never been a morning that your mercies aren't new. There's never been a, a minute that you've been less than omnipotent. Never a minute that you've been less than able. And so, Lord, we just honor you this morning as the great and mighty God. Mighty to save, as we just sang. Mighty to save. And we pray that you would be at work in this land, in this country. Moving in the hearts and lives of people. Drawing men and women to yourself. Coming to know Jesus as Savior. Lord, accomplish these things for your glory is our prayer together as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever turned in your Bible to the wrong page? You know, uh, Chewy said this morning to turn to Habakkuk which is one of my favorite Old Testament books, by the way. I'd love to preach through Habakkuk before I'm done here. Not, not this morning, don't panic. I mean, done, you know. And uh, for some reason, Chewy, when I opened my Bible, chapter 3, and I thought I was there, and I looked over at verse 17, and I was reading, The Lord your midst, a victorious warrior. He will exult over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. He will rejoice over you with shouts of joy. And I know Habakkuk 3, and that wasn't it. <laughs> That's Zephaniah 3.17. And I just thought, wow, have I never seen this verse before? The Lord is in your midst. Amen. He's a victorious warrior. Amen. He will exalt over you with joy. He will be quiet in his love. I want to think about that idea a little longer. Be quiet in his love. What a great verse. There's an old Chinese proverb. Actually, it's not a proverb, it's a curse. There's an old Chinese curse that says this. May you live in interesting times. Do we live in interesting times? That's a Chinese curse to live in interesting times. And here we are. We live in interesting times. And this time that we live in is beyond interesting. It's far, far beyond interesting, isn't it? It's scary. Thank you. That's a good word. If you were to, if you were to use one word, the, the first thing that came to your mind, you said scary. 
If you think of one word that describes the times we're in, what word would you throw out to me this morning? How about another one? Chaos, I heard that word. One word to describe this time we're living in. Unknown. Unsettled. Yeah, lots of confusion. We live in interesting times. I had a couple of interesting conversations this week. My friend Richard and his wife have been on this keto diet for a long time. You all know what keto is? I don't totally understand it because I like food. But, um, uh, I, I would, I, but we had this conversation about the keto diet, and Richard and I were talking about you know, no carbs, no sugars, um, you know, high protein. I guess is that kind of the theme of the keto diet, I think. And we had this interchange um, on a bike ride talking about uh, he and his wife's keto diet and the effect it's having. And um, we had a, a very meaningful, intelligent, intelligent, yeah, dialogue about these diets. Are there options for diets in the world today? Anybody do the Atkins diet, the South Beach? I, I'm on what I call a seafood diet. I see it and I eat it. That's kind of where I live. Um, but Richard and I had this conversation. It was, it was intelligent. It was meaningful. I learned some things. He probably didn't learn a whole lot from me, but that's okay. Um, but we had an intelligent conversation together. And then uh, yesterday, on my, my bike ride with my friend Fred yesterday, uh, one of the things I like about bike riding is I can have conversations with my friends. On the basketball court, that's really hard. So Fred and I are riding along, and we're enjoying this. Winter's over, by the way. Did you know that? Yeah, winter's gone, gone and done. We've moved right past. Uh, we're, we're out riding our bikes yesterday. It's 80 degrees in the middle of January. And, uh, and so he starts talking to me about global warming. And I said, well, you know, most of the people that are really big on global warming weren't here in the 70s. And since he's 80 years old, he said to me, what do you mean by that? And I said, well, in the 70s, they were threatening us with global cooling, that the icebergs were going to, you know, and we, we've gone through this. Anyway, we had this, we sort of had an intelligent conversation about climate change, global warming or whatever. But do you notice when the conversation shifts from diet or climate to politics or more dangerous territory, COVID-19 virus, we no longer can have these nice conversations of interchange and conversation where uh, our voices are at a calm level. There's no name calling. As soon as it shifts to COVID-19, all that goes away. And this week, on my Facebook page, it's my page, you guys. Leave it alone. On my Facebook page, two of my Christian brothers got into an argument calling each other names. On my, it's my Facebook page. If you want to call him a name, do it on his page. You know what I mean? Why do we do this? Why do we do this? And... Everyone keeps looking at their bulletin and they're going, he's not talking about John the Baptist. So I woke up at 4 o'clock this morning thinking about this. It bothers me a lot how we treat each other. Obviously, there's differing opinions, right? <laughs> oh, yeah? Obviously, there's different opinions. Are you shocked by this? <laughs> Shouldn't be. Do you wear a mask or don't wear a mask? Two opinions, right? Who was I talking to this week? Forgot to wear her mask into the store. 
and got all the way through to the cash register before she realized she'd forgotten to put her mask on. And she's apologetic and apologizing and covering her face up with her hands. Uh, mask. Do we comply with our governor or not? In opinion. Do we do online service only? Or do we meet in person as an option? Got differing opinions. Outside or inside? I got different opinions. There's people that think, Pastor, why are we meeting inside? And there's people who are saying, Thank you that we're meeting inside. I've told you this before. Um, and it's, it's gotten more intense. Do you get the vaccine or do you not get the vaccine? I have friends who have been saying for weeks, I'm first in line. I'm first in line. I'm first. I want the vaccine. Get it to me as quick as you can. And I like to. Ha- I like to mess with people sometimes. And I, I. I told one of my friends. I said, you know, I put my vaccine up for sale on eBay, and it's up. The bids are up to thirteen grand. And he looked at me like I was crazy, which I probably was. But um, there's, there's differing opinions. Jesus said, Jesus said this, a new commandment I give to you. Now, my son tells me in the Navy that when, that they give orders, they're not suggestions. So when Jesus says, I give you a command, that's not a suggestion. It's not just a good idea, right? Right? So, Jesus says in John chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, He says, A new commandment I give to you, that you argue and disagree with your brothers and sisters in Christ about multiple things that you can discover in the course of your lifetime. No. Jesus says, The new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. And then he goes on and says this, By this will all men know that you are my disciples, my followers. By this will all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one for another. We need a lot more love in the body of Christ. A lot more love. And, you know, the, the songs that Joey led us in this morning, This Little Light of Mine, um, Rescuer. I love that song, by the way. That was new. I never heard that song before. That was a great song. Um, but I couldn't help but think as we were singing these, these songs that you and I are living in this interesting time and we're living our lives in front of the watching eyes of a pagan world. And I, I, I wonder, as I see my friends arguing on my, on my Facebook page, I wonder, as I see my Christian brothers arguing on my Facebook page, what my non-Christian friends that I'm trying to spend time with, trying to introduce to Jesus, and I wonder, so what are my, what are my pagan friends thinking when they see this stuff going on? What are they thinking? A new commandment I give to you that you love, one another, that you also love one another. Apostle John was called the apostle of love for good reason, right? And in First John chapter 4, there's a song we could have sung, Joey. Are you familiar with the chorus, Beloved, let us love one another, right out of chapter 4 of First John? In John, in First John chapter 4, The Apostle John says this, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God. What does that mean? Love is of God. What does that word of God? What does that word of mean? He is 
the source. He's the origin of love. For love is from God, and everyone who loves is born of God. So one of the ways you tell that a person is a follower of Jesus and loves God is because they love one another. The one who does not love does not know God. Why? For God is love. God's characterized by love. His nature, his character, he's a God of love. He's also a God of justice. He's also a God of mercy. There's other words you could throw in there, right? But he's a God of love. God is love. By this, the love of God was manifested in us that God sent his only begotten son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we love God, but what? He loved us. My paraphrase has always been, it is no big deal (laughs) that I love God. I mean, that should be our natural response, right? The big deal is what? He loves me. And if, if you knew me as well as God knows me, you, you would find it hard to love me. Right? <laughs> and this is love, not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. He's satisfied. That's what word propitiation means. He satisfied God's wrath against sin. He was our propitiation, our satisfaction. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to do what? Love one another. If God so loves us, and we're a mess, right? Speak for yourself. Dirty, rotten, what? Where where was that going? Yeah, dirty, rotten. You know, but, but if God so loves us, and we're messed up, <laughs> I'm messed up. Back in the 70s, there was a book, um, I'm Okay, You're Okay. That was a, the number one bestseller for weeks. And I always wanted to write, write the sequel. I'm not okay, and you're not okay, but that's okay. Um, you know, I just thought that book title was totally, totally bogus. I'm not okay, you're not okay, but that's okay. God loves me. (laughs) There's another great chorus from the past. Jesus loves me, this I know. For the Bible tells me so. You know, you think of some of those great children's songs. That's like the most basic children's song when I was growing up. And it's still true. Jesus loves me, this I know. Beloved, if God so loved us, we ought to also love one another. No one has seen God at any time. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. So if I love you and you love me, the Apostle John says God's love is perfected in us. That's an interesting thought, isn't it? God's love perfected. And then I told someone this morning, I don't know if God woke me up at four o'clock or the pizza I had for dinner, but uh, Romans chapter 14 is one of the passages I woke up with this morning. I don't know, is that a curse to have all these passages sort of kind of memorized and stored away and then God wakes you up in the middle of the night? Is that a, is that a blessing or a curse? Good. I, I just want to make sure we're all, we're all on the same page, right? Because you're going, Pastor Roy hasn't started his sermon yet about John the Baptist and I'm getting a little anxious because it's 5 after 11. <sighs> Romans 14 says this. We have different opinions, right? We disagree about stuff, right? Is that okay? Good. I'm glad that was your answer. You think this is new? 
This is, this is a new thing, having people disagree, right? It's, it's really weird and strange and new that people in the body of Christ disagree about stuff, right? No. I mean, th- this has always been true. Romans chapter 14 proves it. And I don't have time to do it a full uh, exegesis of this passage, but I, I'm, I'm going somewhere with this, right? <laughs> oh, you're killing me. Here we go. Uh, so Romans 14, beginning in verse 1, says this. Now accept the one who is weak in faith. What does it mean to accept somebody else? First John chapter 4 would define accepting someone else as what? Love one another. If I love you, I accept you, right? Regardless of whether we agree or not. You know, there are people who are not L.A. Rams fans. Worse yet, there are people, some of you are going to find this hard to believe, so fasten your seatbelt. There are some people who are Dallas Cowboy fans. Yeah. I told you I like to mess. I told you I like to mess with people. And I want you to know, Lulu, Chewie, I love you anyway. Okay? I fully accept you. You're my brother and my sister, even though you're Dallas Cowboy fans. Accept the one who is weak in faith, but not for the purpose of passing judgment on his opinions, which I guess I just did. Oh, well. Um, Godly people can be Dallas Cowboy fans. Amen? Amen. Okay. Did I I just cover that back up? Oh, my. One person, verse 2 says, has faith that he may eat all things. But he who is weak eats vegetables only. There's an area of disagreement. The one who eats is not to regard with contempt the one who does not eat. And the one who does not eat is not to judge the one who eats. For God has accepted him. So, if God has accepted you, then God's call in my life is to do what? Accept you also. Yeah. If, I, if, if God loves you, I love you. If God accepts you, I accept you. Who are you... To judge the servant of another. We're all servants of God, right? So if, if you're a servant of God and I'm a servant of God and we're ser- serving the same Lord and the same God, Paul says, why are you judging each other? You both serve the same master. Does that make any sense? Who are you to judge the servant of another? To his own master he stands or falls. And he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. So there was obviously a conflict in the early church on this issue of foods to eat and not eat, right? Keto, not keto. Vegan, not vegan. Vegetarian, not vegetarian. You know, um, this was more of a <laughs> seafood or not seafood. Yeah. Oh, we don't want to go there. Verse 5 says, one person regards one day above another. Another regards every day alike. Each person must be fully convinced in his own mind. So, what Paul is saying is, whatever the position is that you hold, you hold that position fully convinced that this is the correct view, right? So, if you believe in this, in this context, if you believed that it was God's will for you to eat vegetables only and not eat meat... And I believe that I'm an omnivore and I can eat whatever's available, right? Seafood diet. We have this, this differing thing going on. And Paul says we accept each other. And each person must be fully convinced. We have our own convictions. But our convictions are different. Is that okay? That wasn't very loud, but that's okay. He who observes the day observes it for the Lord. And he who eats does so for the Lord. He who gives thanks to God and he who eats not. For the Lord he does not eat and gives thanks to God. For not one of us lives for himself. Not one of us dies for himself. For if we live, we live for who? The Lord. Or if we die, we die for the Lord. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might 
be Lord both of the dead and of the living. But you, why do you judge your brother? Or, you again, why do you regard your brother with contempt? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall give thanks to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. Therefore, let us not judge one another, but rather determine this, not to put an obstacle or a stumbling block in a brother's way. And so Paul's call in my life and in your life in the midst of these interesting times is love one another, accept one another, serve one another. There's a whole list of one another's in the New Testament. So there's five five things. Five things that I want you to agree with me about this morning. Maybe I need to put this on my Facebook page. I don't know. Well, I'll probably create another argument, right? Yeah. You can't even leave Facebook and go to parlor because they shut that down, right? So five, five things I want to suggest to you this morning. The first thing is this. I will not be surprised that people have different opinions. <laughs> Why do we act like we're surprised? <laughs> Why is that? I remember years ago, uh, my pastor, uh, from the time I was a senior in high school, uh, Dave Hawking, he used to say to me, there's three sides to every story. There's my side... There's your side, and there's the truth. <laughs> you know, let's figure out the truth. <laughs> Don't be surprised that people have different opinions. Anybody married to a husband, married to a wife, where you totally agree 100% on everything? I don't see anybody responding. <laughs> You know, any of you live with a husband or live with a wife where you have oftentimes divergent opinions about stuff? You know, Bill, Yolanda's coming out of her chair back there. Bill, what was that all about? You know. <laughs> so, yeah, you're always right. Some people have conflict over little things like what should we have for dinner, you know? Um, yeah. So, I want you to agree with me. You're going to make it a commitment, I guess is the word I'm looking for here. You're going to make it a commitment. I will not be surprised that people have different opinions. Second one's a little tougher. I will not quarrel. I will not quarrel, despise, or judge people who disagree with me. Is that a good goal? Is that a good ambition? It just seems kind of... If, you, if, if Jesus gave us His new commandment, and as John said, Beloved, let us love one another. For love is of God. Everyone who loves is born of God and knows God. He who does not love does not know God, right? I mean, if, if all that stuff I just read to you is true... Uh, so I'll not be surprised. I'll not quarrel or despise and pass judgment. Um, thirdly, third commitment, I will leave the final evaluation in the Lord's hands. Is that a good goal? You know, we, we can disagree till the cows come home, as the saying is. But ultimately, it's God who knows the truth, right? And God ultimately is the judge. I want God's truth. I'll leave the final evaluation in His hands. Number four. I will not pressure others to violate their conscience. 
You see, what was, what was happening in the early church was they had this thing about whether they could eat meat or not. And that whole passage in Romans 14 about vegetables and stuff. And there were people who in good conscience believed they could not eat certain things. And there were people in good conscience before God who believed it was perfectly okay to eat those things. And there was conflict. And that's why Paul said, accept one another. Don't pass judgment. And so, if Tom is a vegetarian and I'm a carnivore, and we get into conversation, friendly conversation, intelligent conversation, no arguing, no name-calling, but I'm trying to persuade him to come to In-N-Out with me and enjoy a double-double, I'm asking Tom to violate his conscience. I'm asking Tom to go against what he believes is right for him as he walks with Jesus. I'm asking him to violate what his conscience tells him is truth for him. Is that a good thing that I'm trying to do? No. So, if Tom weakens because I'm the pastor, I know the Bible, and I'm, you know, whatever... And so he breaks down and agrees to go with me to In-N-Out and enjoy a double... double. I'm getting hungry. Are you getting hungry? Um, But he agrees with me to go to In-N-Out and have a double-double with me. And he comes with me, not only agrees to go, but he comes with me and eats a double-double at In-N-Out. What has just happened? He's violated his conscience. The Bible says, whatsoever is not of faith is sin. So I have just caused Tom to sin. Eating the double-double wasn't the sin. The sin was violating his conscience. Do you see the difference? And so when the Bible talks about someone causing a brother to stumble... It's not that he's offended at me because I'm eating my double-double and he's stuck with carrots and lettuce. I've caused him to stumble because I've caused him to violate his conscience. I will not pressure others to violate their conscience. I hope you understand that. Spend just a little bit of time on my Facebook page with these brothers. Oh, number. So, I will not be surprised that other people have different opinions. Go Cowboys. Um, I will not quarrel, despise, or judge people who disagree with me. I'll leave final evaluation in the Lord's hands. I will to violate their conscience. I will not question the motives of other people. That's hard, isn't it? It is hard. You're right. But here's a little here's a little kicker for you. If you're like me, the majority of the time, you're not sure about your own motives. Many times, you have mixed motives. You do things for mixed reasons. So, if you cannot fully grasp your own motives, why are we questioning the motives of other people? Why not just assume the best? Does love assume the best? I think 1 Corinthians 13 says something about that, doesn't it? Love is patient, love is kind. That whole list assumes the best, believes the best. And so, in the midst of living in interesting times, I want to challenge you to make those commitments with me this morning. I haven't got them memorized. I have to pull them out and read them again. Not be surprised at other people's opinions. Don't quarrel, despise, or judge people who disagree. Leave the final evaluation in God's hands. 
Don't pressure others to violate their conscience. Can you have a meaningful, intelligent conversation without pressuring someone, expressing your view, they express their view, you exchange intellectual conversation? Absolutely. But I'm not going to pressure Tom to go get a double-double, although right now that sounds really good. Um, I'll assume the best motives. Lord, I don't know this morning. I, I think these thoughts are of You. I think these Scriptures are definitely Your words. I've tried to just take Your words and kind of distill them into practical things that make sense to me. I'm grateful for the wisdom of others, the, the thinking of others. It's kind of helped to shape the thoughts I've shared this morning. Uh, these aren't the thoughts I had planned to share this morning when I went to bed last night, but Lord, I just want to believe in this uh, moment that this is your message for us this morning. Lord, teach us what it means to love one another. We struggle to do that, Lord. We're self-centered. We're concerned about what's best for me. And we struggle many times to love one another. And Lord, you, you, you have us here before the eyes of a watching world that needs to know Jesus. You have us in neighborhoods where people need Jesus. You have us in workplaces where people need Jesus. You have us in social settings. You've placed us in all these different places that we might let our little light shine for you. And Lord, worse than hiding our light under the bushel is causing that, that light to do harm, causing that light to damage the reputation of Jesus. Lord, help us. We can't do this on our own. We truly cannot. Lord, help us to love one another. Help us to accept one another with all of our differences, all of our opinions, all of our thoughts and ideas to just love one another. Lord, help us to do that. Help me to do that. We need your help that our little lights might shine more brightly the message of Jesus would go forth in power and in might, reaching into the hearts and into the lives of men and women, boys and girls that need to know Jesus. Help us, Lord, to love one another. Make that our prayer together this morning is my prayer. In Jesus' name, amen.
not to argue, not to be in discord, but united in one God, one faith, one hope. This is God's goal for us, our Father, our Creator, our Lover, so that we can spread that gospel, so we can spread that harmony. Big thanks to Joey and Tim again, and uh, thanks for a little trip back. I haven't sung that song in quite a while, so it's good to be reminded. You know, and that's kind of the mindset I find of many people in the midst of this time of chaos and, and many times is kind of the, the standard thing is, even so come quickly, Lord Jesus. And that's an okay prayer, right? That's kind of Bible stuff. But until Jesus comes, we're to, what's that line we just sang? Labor for the Master? Something like that. And so God has a purpose this week in your life and my life where He's placed you. Where you work, where you live, people that are around you, social groups. He has a purpose and a plan where He's placed you. Live your life this week as though God exists, and He does, right? And as if He's in control, which He is. So do that this week. And uh, ask God to make you a blessing to people you're with. Because these are interesting times and it's weird and scary and all those other confusing words we shared. And 
people without Jesus are more scared, more nervous, more anxious, more stressed. And, and you and I carry the message of hope. The only hope. You and I carry that message this week into the places where we live. Let's ask God to make us a blessing to people we're with for His glory. Next Sunday, Nathan Bryant's going to be with us. We're going to have an awesome, awesome Sunday. And as Chewy reminded us, the Wednesday night Bible study is blowing out the doors. I heard they had the largest crowd ever Sunday, so or Wednesday night. So uh, have a great week, and uh, let your little light shine. Let your little light shine. God bless.